Thanks for taking time to watch this video message. Our mission here at Crosspoint is to relentlessly pursue those far from God with the hope and love of Jesus. And we pray that by watching, you experience both the hope and love he has to offer you. If you have questions or need more information on the ministries of our church, visit us online at crosspointcity.com. We hope you enjoy this message. Well, good morning, church. Well, you know, we have probably all heard of athletes who fast to make a certain weight class, or maybe some people who fast for political attention, or maybe we've heard of someone fasting to get into a certain dress for a certain occasion. But I wonder this morning, how many of us have ever heard of fasting as something that we do as a follower of Christ? Well, Carl Lundquist, he was the president of Bethel College and Seminary for almost 30 years. And he really understood what Jesus was teaching about in Matthew 6, about giving and about praying. But for some reason, fasting had just never become real to him. And he'd heard about a man named Dr. Jun Goon Kim. And he went to see him. See, Dr. Kim, he had started over in Korea a chapter of Campus Crusade for Christ. And it just blew up. And what was interesting about Dr. Kim is he was very clear. He understood the significance of giving. And he understood the significance of praying in his life. And he understood the value and significance of fasting. Well, Dr. Kim and a group of folks decided in 1979 that in 1980, they wanted to hold a crusade at, at Yoido Plaza. So they began to make preparations because, as you can imagine, a crusade is not something you could plan overnight. So they'd started a year out, and about six months into it, one of the officers from the police there in Korea came to him and said, we're so sorry, but you, you can no longer use Yoido Plaza. You see, what had happened was at that time, there was a lot of political turmoil, and Seoul was under martial law. And the chief of police at the time there just felt like, if we have this event... And all these people come, it could put all of their lives in jeopardy. So we cannot allow you to use this plaza. Well, Dr. Kim, he heard them. So he went back to the folks that were helping him plan this crusade. And they went away for 40 days. And they fasted and they prayed. And at the end of their time, they literally left where they were at and they came back to the police station. And they were met with a young officer who said, Oh, Dr. Kim! I'm so glad to find you. We wanted you to know that we've changed your mind and you are free to have your crusade in the plaza. Well, I want you to know, at that crusade in 1980, over a million people came. And of that one million people, a hundred thousand of them signed up to be involved in missions. That's a hundred thousand people said, we want to help be part of taking the message of Jesus anywhere we need to. They did a survey 20 years later, and they found out in Korea that over 80% of the people that were serving in churches in the area of missions, they all had their start with Dr. Kim in Campus Crusade for Christ. Well, after Carl's time with Dr. Kim, he was walking back to his hotel, and he realized something that he had never seen in himself. He had never wanted a work of God with such intensity. 
that he wasn't just willing to give money or pray, but he was willing to forego his flesh, forego food, and fast for God to move. And I want you to know, that time changed Carl forever. And this morning, we are going to look at some more verses in chapter 6 in Matthew and see what Jesus has to say about fasting. But before we do, I want to open us up in prayer. Heavenly Father, man, I just come to you. God, would you speak to us? Because we really don't need to hear from me. What we need is to hear from you. Would you give us one good thing that we can walk out of here today, God? Convict us on this issue and give us courage to follow you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, over the past six weeks, as we've been walking through this famous sermon of Jesus, Jesus has been talking about one idea, and it's the idea of religious hypocrisy. And I just want to remind you about what it means, because some people may think that hypocrisy is basically this, a person claiming to be good and godly, but doing bad and sinful things. But Jesus says it's even more than that. Look at verse 1 of chapter 6 in Matthew. Jesus says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. You see, a hypocrite isn't just this person who claims to be good and godly while doing bad and sinful things. A hypocrite is also the person who appears to be good and godly while doing good and godly things, but from the wrong motivation. Now, back in Jesus' day, the religious leaders were called the Pharisees. And they were famous for doing this very thing that Jesus said not to do. You see, they would do these righteous religious acts publicly, not to please God and honor him, but so they would get attention from men, and then men would honor them. And we see so often in the Gospels, Jesus calls the Pharisees hypocrites. Now this one statement I want to remind you of, we've mentioned several times in the past six weeks, is simply this, that doing the right thing for the wrong reason is a bad thing. You see, according to Jesus, why we do what we do is actually more important than what we do. Now, as we walk through chapter 6, we see that as God has spoken to giving... And as he spoke into prayer, he's going to speak to us today the same way through fasting. He's going to talk to us about fasting, what it looks like in a, ver- in like a hypocritical way. And he's going to talk about what the reward is when we do it in the wrong way. And then Jesus talks to us about the right way to fast and what our reward is when we do it the right way. But before we jump in, I just want to define the word fasting. You see, in Scripture, fasting just means abstaining from all food, solid, or or liquids, but not from water. It's this idea of abstaining of food for spiritual purposes. Now, I have to tell you something, because this has been on my heart all week long. I grew up, and I had never heard about fasting until my 20s. And I remember when I heard about it, my initial response was, hmm, when I get more spiritual, I can do that. And the enemy just began to say to me, Susie, you'll never be able to do that. That's for the really spiritual people. And I just want to say, if you are in the room today and you would say, I am a Christ follower, I need to tell you, according to scripture, the Holy Spirit lives in you and you have everything you need to fast. You have everything you need to be obedient to what Christ is going to teach us today. And if you're in the room and you're like, man, I just came for the free lunch. I just want to invite you to listen in. And just see what this man named Jesus has to teach us. But I want to ask you, 
I know how my enemy works. And as we're talking today, he's just going to want to keep telling you how you can't do this. Would you just be willing to tune him out for just a few minutes? Because what I am convinced of is that just like the enemy does not want you to give or pray, he does not want you to fast. Because when we do, change and amazing things happen. And so I just want to ask you just to lean in today. Now, the first thing that Jesus does in this verse, in verse 16, is he talks about religious hypocrisy, and he says this when it comes to fasting. When you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Now, Luke 18 tells us that Pharisees would fast on Monday and Thursday, and they would make sure that their hair was disheveled, their beards had not been combed, They had sleep in their eye. They smeared ashes on their face. They would walk around extra slow. They would look really downtrodden and sad because they wanted everyone to know, hey, it's Monday, I'm fasting. Hey, it's Thursday, I'm fasting. Hey, look at me, I'm a super spiritual hero because I'm fasting. See, they were fasting not to honor God and please him. They're fasting for all the wrong reasons. And Jesus says this, The big motivation for us, if fasting for the attention of others is why we're doing it, it is the wrong reason. That's how he defines religious hypocrisy when it comes to fasting. Fasting to gain the attention of others. You see, fasting, which is a right thing, becomes a bad thing in your life if you fast for all the wrong reasons. So what is your reward if you fast for the attention of others? And Jesus says in the rest of that verse, in verse 16, he says, Do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. And here's the reward. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. You see, their reward is the attention of others. Fasting to gain attention from others is the only reward they will get. You see, all of that praise, all of that admiration, the applause of men that they wanted, that is all they will get. But then like Jesus does, he starts in on the right way to fast. And he says this, he says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your father who is in secret. So Jesus is saying this, he's saying, do what you normally do. Get up in the morning, anoint your head, wash your face, do your normal routine, be joyful. Don't be short. Don't be cranky. Don't move slower than usual. Fast in such a way that the people closest to you will have absolutely no idea what you're doing. You see, Jesus is saying right fasting is done in secret. I love this quote from John Wesley. He says, let fasting be done with our eyes singly fixed on him. Let our intention be this alone, to glorify our Father who is in heaven. You know, we've been talking about the Lord's Prayer And as Christ followers, man, our life is to be one that hallows, that honors his name and that does his will so his kingdom will come. And fasting is one of the ways that we do that. So right fasting is done in secret. And then what does Jesus tell us the reward of right fasting is? He says right there in verse 18, he says, and your father who sees in secret will reward you. You see, when we fast in secret with the right motivation, the right heart, God will reward us. And I think this reward is a twofold thing. 
And the first one is this. The first word of fasting is that we get God. We get God. Uh, Jeremiah 29 tells us that when we search for him and we seek him with all of our heart, we will find him. And fasting has everything to do with your heart and very little to do with your body. When we seek him with our heart, we will get God. We will get God. And something else. God rewards us. God rewards us, always privately, sometimes publicly. You know, I think about my children and I think about them. When they do that thing they need to be doing to stay in tune with the family. And when I see them doing it, man, my attention is on them. And they don't just get my attention. I really try hard as a parent to speak out to them in our house, to just affirm to reward, to encourage what they're doing. And see, when we fast the way Jesus is talking about, God sees us fasting and he sees that we are not acting out of our strength to impress others, to let them see how spiritual we are, how righteous we are. But our heart motivation is simply to get him. John Piper puts it this way, but we have come to God out of weakness to express to him our need and our great longing that he would manifest himself more fully in our lives for the joy of our soul and the glory of his name. Did you catch that? You see, fasting is all about seeking God so that he would show up more fully in our lives for the joy of our soul and the glory of his name. Because what have we been learning? We are to hallow, honor his name, and be part of his kingdom coming and his will being done during our season in our lifetime. And fasting is one way that we can live this out. And when our heavenly father sees us fasting in secret, he responds and he acts. Now I just have to tell you something about this whole thing that Jesus is talking about because it is completely radical. See, because I want you to remember, back in this time period, the Pharisees were the religious leaders, and they're the people that you and I would have looked up to to learn how to do all of it and get it right. And here comes Jesus in this famous sermon of his, turning fasting upside down his head and saying, I know that you've seen these hypocrites, a.k.a. Pharisees, fasting out loud for all to see. But I'm telling you, that is not the way to do it. Fast in secret, where only your father will see. And your father who sees you will reward you. You know what I love about that? Sometimes when I'm doing stuff that only God can see, sometimes I'm not even sure that he can see me. And that's not true, but I don't really hear from him or nothing's really changing. And what I love from what Jesus said here is that he just is giving us that guarantee. I want you to know. He will see you and he will reward you. Even if I don't feel like it's happening, he will. Do you know the most important part of a Christ follower's life is? It's the part that only God can see. It's not the part that everyone sees me living out. It's the part that he sees just me and him. It's my heart. It's the way I give. It's the way I pray. And it is the way I fast. Now, I want you to know something else about this scripture because this is a little shocking to me. And again, I didn't learn any of this growing up. 
And Jesus says in this passage, and we underlined it because I wanted you to see this phrase. When he's talking about fasting, he's saying, and when you fast, do not look like gloomy like the hypocrites. And then in the next verse, in verse 17, he says, but when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others. I want you to see something here because this was the game changer for me. Just like giving, just like when Jesus talked to us in verse 5 of Matthew 6 about praying, it's not a if I fast, it's a when I fast. When I fast. Now look at something else. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus responds to a question by the disciples of John the Baptist. And it reads this way. Then the disciples of John came to him saying, Why do we and the Pharisees fast, but your disciples do not fast? And Jesus replies, Can the wedding guests mourn as long as the bridegroom is with them? The days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast. You see, with Jesus at this time here on earth, the kingdom of God had come among them in present power. The bridegroom was in their midst, and this was not a time of fasting, but it was a time of feasting. But Jesus says in this scripture, but the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away. That is Jesus. And then they will fast. See, Jesus is acknowledging there's a day coming when my disciples will fast. Well, I, I began to study. I thought, well, I want to see who else has fasted in the Bible. And so I, I want you to know, I just want to share a few people that have fasted. This list is not exhaustive, but it's some of my favorite people. The first one I'm going to start with is Moses. Moses fasted before receiving the Ten Commandments. David fasted for God's mercy that he would not let his son die. King Jehoshaphat fasted for God's protection against a neighboring enemy. Elijah fasted while escaping Jezebel. Esther fasted for the safety and the lives of the Jews. Ezra fasted for wisdom and safety. King Darius fasted for his friend Daniel. And Daniel fasted for an answer to prayer. The entire city of Nineveh fasted in hopes that God would relent and not wipe them off the face of the earth in Jonah 3. Jesus fasted before temptation. And the early church in Acts 13, they fasted for his kingdom to come and his will to be done. And in fact, the result of that fast started a church missional movement that took Christianity from being obscure to becoming the dominant religion in the Roman Empire and 13 of the 27 New Testament books were written based out of that particular fast in Acts 13. And here's what you need to know. Every single one of those people in the Bible were just like you and me. They were not superheroes. They did not have some crazy edge on us. They were just as scared about fasting. It hurt their stomach just as much as it hurts ours to fast. But what they knew was, is fasting is part of walking with Christ. It is just like giving and praying. It's a muscle. It's a discipline that we do. But I need you to know, when we fast in secret, we get God. And I want you to know, in all of these examples, they all got God privately. And every single one of them saw God publicly. Now, I begin to think back to me. Like I told you, I didn't grow up fasting, right? I want you to know I'll never be somebody who writes books or does seminars on fasting. It's really hard for me, all right? I'm a three meal a day and a snack at four o'clock kind of girl. That's how I roll, all right? And so I begin to think back. Now, I've shared with you a little before, but uh, back in uh, 2005, um, God began to open my eyes to some things that were not right in my life. 
And so I, when January 1st of 2006 rolled around, I had three things that I was asking God for. I wanted him to show up in my marriage, in our finances, in our family. Because here's what I knew to be true about those. I did not think those three things reflected God's kingdom coming in our family. And I didn't think they really reflected God well and his will that he wanted to walk out in us. So I began to pray every day. And then February rolls around. And I hear the Holy Spirit say to me, Susie, I want you to fast one day a week. Okay, I grew up Methodist. We don't do that, all right? And I just remember going, I'm sorry, what? What was, what was that? Because it it's something I'd never heard him say. And so, but I, I knew his voice. And I was like, okay, because he knew what I was seeking him for. So I decided I was going to fast on Sunday at 5 p.m. to Monday at 5 p.m. That was my 24-hour period. So uh, this was like on a Monday or Tuesday. So I had a few days to figure out this fasting thing because I didn't know anything about it, really. And just kind of the way I'm wired, I really want to get it right. Like, I'm so afraid if I don't cross every T and dot every I, like, God won't give me credit. And I need you to know that's not as hard at all, okay? But that's just kind of like one of my fears. And so I was like, all right, okay, I think I, think I got to handle it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do it this way. And I'm like, I am hoping this is enough. And I just want you to know it is. But here's what's so interesting about this season. I just thought, I don't know why, that after I started fasting, like things were going to get happy and everyone was going to be woohoo and life was going to get easy. And I want you to know it got harder. Like it was unbelievable. In fact, in that particular year, things happened that never happened before in our marriage and in my personal life. And things happened then that have never happened since then. I had a girlfriend. Um, she was my prayer partner and she was praying for me. She knew what I was asking God for. And she was um, praying with me for these three things. And I remember by May, she just started calling me every week just to see what kind of freaky thing was happening because it was so weird what was going on. And here's what I need you to know about this particular season. There were some Mondays, I, I broke the fast at three o'clock. I couldn't make it to five. But you know what? God saw my heart. And you know what he saw about me? Is I was desperate for him. And the next Sunday would roll around and I'd be like, let's go, Lord, let's do it again. And I want to tell you what I remember about that first fast and that first season doing that with him was I got him. I got him. And he didn't reward me just privately, but he did a couple of things that rewarded me publicly that I never expected. That were so kind of him. Now, when it comes to fasting, I just want to tell you three things. Because my heart is that you would leave here just being willing to talk to God about this. Just ask them what this looks like in your life. What I will tell you is it does not look the same for every season of my life. It has looked different. But I'll tell you, when you fast, I want you to know a couple things that you're going to get to experience. The first one is this. More than any other thing that I do, fasting makes me more aware of my sin than anything else. It is unbelievable how all of a sudden the Lord can show me about unforgiveness that I have in my heart towards somebody. And I'll be like, oh, no, no, I don't. And then he'll be like, yes, you do. And then he'll show me. Or maybe the Lord will bring up anger I have because I'm upset about an issue that I thought I was not upset about, but I'm still really mad I didn't get my way, apparently. Or he'll remind me of the bitterness that's in my heart towards somebody. More than anything else, fasting reveals the things the sins of my life, they control me and I don't even know it. Something else you're going to experience with fasting 
is fasting reminds us that we are not sustained by bread alone, but by the very word of God. Listen, if I had not experienced it, I I would never have believed it. But I'm telling you, Monday by two o'clock, I was so hungry. And I was trying to not be snappy, which meant I just couldn't talk. And I usually had a headache. But I wanted to just honor God. I wanted to do it in secret. And I wanted him. And I just remember, because when you fast, you don't just stop eating. Like you are meditating on scripture. You are praying the whole time, kind of in here. Like you're maybe living life on one plane, but you're praying and doing everything else on this other plane. And so I just, I would just start going over my verses. Okay, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. I really need you to strengthen right now because I'm super hungry. God, help me, help me do this. Give me the extra strength I need. And what I learned from that season is just what Jesus told his disciples, like in John 4, they thought he was hungry because none of them eaten, so they'd gone to get food and they brought it back to him. And Jesus says to him, yeah, I have food that you don't even know about. And I'm telling you, We are not sustained just by bread alone, but we are sustained by the very word of God. And when you fast, you learn that. Something else. Fasting helps us keep our balance in life. It's unbelievable to me how I can just start liking something or doing something. And before I know it, I am completely enslaved to it. Whether it's a TV show or a food or an activity. And when I fast, it's like a course correction from the Holy Spirit. And he reminds me, hey, Susie, in this lifetime, you need to be honoring, hallowing God's name. And with your life, you want to be walking out his will and you want his kingdom to come. So it's just like a slight course correction happens when I fast. Now, I really want y'all to be courageous when you leave this week. And I want you just to be willing to talk to God. Ask him, is this true? Is this true for you? And I feel like, because I remember my experience in 2006, I want you to walk away with some handles. Because while on some sense fasting is hard, because again, I'm the person who doesn't like to miss a meal, on the other sense, it's actually quite easy. So I want to give you seven quick steps when it comes to fasting. I think people have written better steps. I think they're probably more exhaustive and cover more things. But I'm simple, so this is simple. But here's the first thing is this. The first one when it comes to fasting is we've got to be willing to listen to the prompt in the Holy Spirit. See, I don't know if you notice in this passage, but Jesus says when you fast, but he doesn't say when the when is. He doesn't say when you fast every Tuesday from 2 to 4. He doesn't say that. So we've got to trust the Holy Spirit because most of the time... We can choose to fast, but a lot of times the Holy Spirit initiates the fast. And so we've got to be listening for his prompting. And the second thing is this. We've got to be willing to be obedient. We've got to be willing to be obedient. And sometimes I'm not. Sometimes I'm like, oh, man, I know what we were having for dinner, and it was going to be good. And I just don't want to choose what he's asking me to choose. And I will tell you that sometimes when I feel like the Holy Spirit is kind of pricking me and saying, hey, I think you should fast and do this, I know there's this part of me that's kind of like, I want to kind of turn my head and go, is that you? Is that me making that up? What's going on? And here's, here's what I've kind of come to resolve to myself, is that when I hear that prompting from the Holy Spirit, I'm just going to try to do it. Because if I'm wrong, all I would have done is fasted and honored God. But if God's really calling me to fast... I get God. And more than likely, he has something he wants to communicate to me. Something else. 
when it comes to fasting, pick a time and a day you can be successful. Like, don't start fasting on a vacation. That's like the worst time ever. Pick a time and a day. Like, for example, Carl Lundquist, the gentleman I talked about earlier, one of the things that he put into practice when he came back from Dr. Kim is every single Wednesday, he fasted from lunch. And outside of his office, there was like a bench and a little kind of tree area, and he would go there and he would sit while he fasted, didn't eat lunch, and he would pray. Because I'm telling you, fasting and prayer is dynamite to a Christ follower. It is unbelievable what happens when we put these things together. And he would do that. And I want you to know, I haven't always fasted from Sunday at 5 to Monday at 5. There have been some seasons it's just been a meal. But you've got to pick a time and a day that you can be successful at. Number four, determine the focus of your fast. Every single one of those people I read about from the Bible to you, they had a specific focus to their fast. They needed answers. They needed safety. They needed wisdom. They needed protection. They needed mercy. Pick the focus of your fast. In 2006, I had three things that I was focusing on. That was my deal. And the reason this is so important, because the next thing is this. You've got to pray and meditate on scriptures and see your scriptures and how you pray are based on your focus. And it really could be that your focus is that you just want more of God. So you're going to find scriptures about that. And maybe your focus is on wisdom, so you're going to find scriptures about wisdom. And while you are fasting, while you're doing work, while you're going to school, while you're out and about, man, you're just meditating on the scriptures. For me, I have to have them on index cards. It helps me just review them and look at them. Number six, do it in secret. Don't be like the Pharisees doing it out loud like that. Now, I'll tell you, my husband, we have been together for a couple years. He knows I'm a three meal a day girl and a snack at four o'clock. And so when I started that fast in 2006, he thought that I was sick because he noticed I wasn't eating anymore on Sunday nights. I didn't eat breakfast. And he, I finally said, hey, listen, here's the deal. I feel like I'm called to fast, and this is what I thought God's asked me to do. But can I just tell you, ladies, what I made sure I didn't do? I didn't put my hand on my hip and say, and you should pray about fasting with me. Listen, it took me a lot of years in my marriage to figure out I was not Glenn's Holy Spirit, which was really upsetting to me, but it was the truth. <laughs> Apparently, that's what the Holy Spirit did. He said he didn't need my help. <laughs> so I'm just saying to you, if God calls you to fast, women, that's your deal. Don't put it on your husband's deal, right? Because if God wants them to fast, he'll get a hold of them. You think he won't, but he can, all right? Same thing for you husbands. But I just say, hey, listen, I feel like I'm called to do this, and I was really glad. This is my deal, not your deal. I'm not telling anybody, but I just, I'm not sick. Nothing's wrong with me. But just do it in secret. And the last thing is this. Trust the outcome to God. Seriously, in 2006, if I had trusted the outcome to what was going on in our life, I would have not fasted after the month of February because it just kept getting worse and worse. It was unbelievable. It really was comical by May because I knew every week something crazy was going to happen. But I'm just telling you, even if you just fast a meal and you're like, I don't really feel like this is doing anything. That's okay. We don't live by our feelings. We're going to live by faith. We're going to know the Word of God says that He sees us in secret and He's going to reward us. We don't know what that looks like. We just know that He will. 
So I just got to walk in that. We got to walk in this and trust him for the outcome. You see, fasting allows us to chase the heart of God. It's when we fast, we hear the voice of him so much more clearly. We become more like him. Fasting is a slowing down so we can speed up to what is next. And I don't care what you're fasting for, whether it's wisdom or mercy or to overcome temptation or you need to answer a specific prayer. What I'm telling you is no matter what you are fasting for, I am certain you will get God every time. Every time you'll get God. Now, in 1756, it was a very real threat that the French were coming and they were about to invade Great Britain. And the king of Great Britain, he didn't know what to do. So he called a fast in the land on a specific day and said, let's all fast and pray for the threat that is upon us. And I want to read you what John Wesley wrote in his journal about that day. He says, the fast day was a glorious day, such as London has scarce seen since the restoration. Every church in the city was more than full. And there was just a solemn humility and seriousness on everyone's face. Surely God heareth prayer, and there will yet be a lengthening of our tranquility. And in a footnote in his journal, he added later, in February of 1756, humility was turned into national rejoicing for the threatened invasion by the French was averted. I mean, we could just go through the Bible. We could walk through history. We could look at the lives of men and women who fast and see how God used that to change history. And I want you to know, when we fast, it doesn't just change history. It changes us. And it changes our story in His story. All because we want to honor God's name. We want to see his kingdom come and his will be done. And we know that when we fast, we can hear him better than any other time. And we know that when we fast in secret, our father sees us and he will reward us. I want to just encourage you as you go this week, would you just be willing to talk to God about this? It's the hardest thing I ever do. I'm terrible at it. But I'm telling you, it is unbelievable the power that comes with it in the life of a believer like nothing I've ever experienced or seen. Let me pray for us. God, we just just thank you that you just give us everything we need. You tell us to give. You remind us that importance of prayer and you remind us that fasting is so important in our life. And God, I am praying for us today as a church that we wouldn't just be a church. She said, well, I can give and I can pray, but that fasting thing's not for me. God, would we be willing to press into your heart, God? We'll be willing to ask the hard questions and just see what fasting would look like for each of us because it might all be different. In fact, I'm sure it will be. But at the end of the day, my prayer is that we would be a church, God, that would honor your name that we would help usher in your kingdom and that we'd be a group of people that would do your will. We love you, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen.